Well, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. God bless you. So glad to have you join us here tonight for Bible study. It's an exciting time to think about the word of God and to share with you in this place and in this season. Let's go before the Lord. Father, we bless your name. We thank you for the word of God. We ask that you speak through us. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer in Jesus name. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us again. I'm excited to be with you tonight. I'm going to be talking tonight again from the theme, Answers for the Struggle, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Problems. This is part 12, Answers for the Struggle, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Problems. And as you might note, we are in chapter 12 of the book of Proverbs. Chapter 12 of the book of Proverbs. Amen. And we're talking again from this chapter. It's a, it, from this chapter because it's a very interesting place that the writer takes us to as he is continuing his lessons for us in how to live in this world. These are all very practical, pragmatic, daily use, life situation lessons. The intent is to suggest and to say to his protege, his son, sons, sons, and daughters, that there's a way to live in this world that you can have the good life. And there's a way to be in this world that you'll have a destructive life, a, a life of folly, a life of foolishness, a life of heartache, a life of pain. And he suggests to them very concretely that character, conduct, and conversation are the bedrock of the good life. Character, conduct, and conversation are the bedrock of the good life. God bless you. Thank you, Solomon. Appreciate it. They're the bedrock. It's hard to deal with, but your character, who you are on the inside, how you conduct yourself with people when you're around them, what you allow to come out of your mouth. You know, I tell people all the time, if you've never had a thought that that you wish you had not spoken, you probably are just not old enough. Because most of us have thought things that we should not have said. And the more mature you become, the quicker you can process, that's not good. Either rephrase it or say nothing at all. It is a sign of immaturity when you can't withhold from letting something be released from your mind, unfiltered, so that that immaturity will always get you in trouble, or will always have people looking at you askance in some type of way. But I'll come back to that, because I'm going to say some things about the tongue tonight, uh, and, and what he does with it, and hopefully it'll be a blessing. I got five things that I'm going to share with you out of this chapter. The first which comes in chapter one, 
chapter, chapter 12, verse 1. And here's what it reads. Whoever lo loves instruction and discipline loves knowledge. But he who hates reproof and correction is stupid. A good man will obtain favor from the Lord, but he will condemn a man who devises evil. A man will not be established by his wickedness, but the root of, cons of the consistently righteous will not be moved. Number one, blessed orderliness. Orderliness. Blessed orderliness. I suggest that correction, condemnation, and consistency equal orderliness. Again, correction, condemnation, and consist consistency equal orderliness. Blessed orderliness. Simply put, there's a blessing to the orderliness of life. The more functional you are in orderliness, the better you're going to be as an individual in this world. Now this is sacred scripture teaching is, but this is also just good wisdom. I don't care who you are, this just makes sense. So the first thing he suggests in verse one is that one must have the ability to not only accept instruction, take instruction, accept discipline, and take being disciplined, but one has to love it. In other words, one says, thank you for correcting that. I didn't want to make that mistake. Thank you for giving me your, that, that wisdom. I, I have a, a, a thing where I, I put together these writings and just last week I was finishing a report I'm working on writing up some things and I sent it to my wife and I, and I said, would you please edit this for me? And I, the reason I do that is because I say to my wife, I want your correction. I want you to tell me when I'm wrong. I want you to tell me I missed the mark. And now we do that with each other. She sends me stuff. I said, look, let me know I missed the mark. I'm not going to be offended by that. Uh, this sentence structure doesn't work. This should be a verb instead of an adverb. No, whatever it is. I need that because I love instruction. I love, I, I, I'm never offended by righteousness. But those that hate reproof and correction, this is not me. The Bible calls them stupid. Stupid. And, and so, don't be offended when I say this. If you get offended by instruction and truth, even when you know you were wrong, the Bible says you're acting stupid. Don't be accused of being stupid. Don't be accused of being stupid. Catch yourself. Be willing to receive wisdom. Be willing to receive knowledge. Be willing to receive instruction. Be willing to take because you want to improve upon your own life. So, so he says, 
because you are good, when you are good, you're going to get favor from God. Verse two, you're going to get favor from God by being good, by doing the right thing. God's gonna give you favor. Sometimes, I, 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 you've heard me say it before, I'll say it again, favor ain't fair, but sometimes we make our own favor by how we live our lives. So we end up getting favor in areas of our lives because of how we have treated others, because of how we have handled instruction, because of how we have walked our life. So favor comes a lot of times because we know how to do it. Uh, the Message Bible says, a good person basks in the delight of God. That's verse two. And that's, you want to be the kind of good person that can bask in the delight and favor of God. But going back to the Amplified, he says, but he will condemn a man who devises evil. So I'm thanking God for favor, but I'm not getting involved with somebody that's doing something wicked. If you want to do wicked stuff, don't call me. The, the message Bible puts that this way. And he or she, I add the she, wants nothing to do with devious schemers. I don't want nothing to do with somebody plotting against somebody else. I don't want nothing to do with somebody planning to rob somebody else. I don't want nothing to do with somebody gossiping about somebody else. I don't want nothing to do with somebody talking about someone else's faith or someone else's look. I No, no, I don't want that because I want to be considered one that's going to bask in the favor of God. And I can't bask in the favor of God if I get caught up in devious schemes. If I allow myself to be caught up in the wickedness of others. The last part of that verse, verse three says this. He says, a man will not be established in wickedness. Whenever a person is functioning in wickedness, they have no firm ground to stand on. You don't want to be around them. They're on a slippery slope. They're in the middle of a swamp, is what the Message Bible says. You've got to be careful of them. But he says, he says this, watch this, so important. He says, but the root of the consistently righteous will not be moved. So when I am consistently righteous. Now, this word consistently relates to the fact that I have, that's meaning us in general as people, have a tendency to go in and out of righteousness. Now, that, that sounds really bad, and it really is. So let me make it plain. There are times when you are more righteous than other times. There are times when you are, you are yielded to your flesh, therefore you're not righteous. There are times when you've yielded to, when I say flesh, let me put some, some, some qualifiers here. You're yielded to anger. 
you yielded to unforgiveness. You've yielded to doubt. You've yielded to fear. You've yielded to those things. And, and you, you, you're so prone to, to, to want to tell people your mind. You're pro prone to want to be forgiven, but never forgive. In, in, in that state, you are functioning unrighteously. So you have to make sure that you remain consistently righteous. Consistently. Try your best to daily walk in righteousness. Now, I, I love the, this on the, the message. She says, verse 3, you can't find firm footing in a swamp. But life rooted in God stands firm. Look, you're not going to find firm footing in a swamp. In other words, you have to walk with God daily, not getting caught up in the schemes of the enemy. You know, every now and then, somebody comes up with another get rich scheme. Got another thing, you put in this, you're gonna get out this. You're gonna put in this, you're gonna get out this. We're gonna bake money in a stove. We're gonna come out with, with triple the amount of money. Look, don't get involved in the schemes of men. Don't get involved in the wickedness of men. There are no shortcuts in life. You're not gonna shortcut anything. You have to go ahead and live your life consistently righteous, doing the right thing, all the time. It may not yield the same results as somebody being unrighteous, but it's okay. Let them get their quick reward because sooner or later, they will have to suffer because of their foolishness. So you want to live a life that is orderly, blessed orderliness. You're going to take correction, you're going to condemn that which is evil and you're going to walk consistently with God. And when you do that, that's an orderly life. Now, by the mere fact that you need to take correction, it suggests that the Bible has room for our ignorance, for our mistakes, for the times we don't get it right. And God brings us back in to righteousness. So you need to get in your spirit that perfection in God, righteousness in God, doesn't mean I do everything right, but it means I'm striving, I'm trying, I'm reaching for the mark of the prize of the higher calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Every day, do, do I get it? No, but I'm aiming for it. You know, if I want to shoot forward, but I'm looking backwards, I'm not even aiming in the right direction. I got to at least aim at it. If I miss the mark or I miss the target, at least I was going in the right path. All right. Number two. Number two starts at verse four. Number two starts at verse four. A virtuous and excellent wife, worthy of honor, is a crown to her husband, of her husband. But she who shames him with her foolishness is like rottenness to his bones. 
The thoughts and purposes of the consistently righteous are just, honest, reliable. But the counsels and schemes of the wicked are deceitful. The malevolent words of the wicked lie in wait for the innocent blood to slander. But the mouth of the upright will rescue and protect them. The wicked are overthrown by their evil and are no more, but the house of consistently righteous will stand securely. A man will be condemned according to his insight and second sound judgment, will be commended rather, according to his insight and sound judgment. But the one who is of a perverse mind will be despised. Wicked people fall to pieces, but there's nothing to them the homes of the good people are hold together. That's from the Message Bible, that last verse seven. I want to talk number seven. Number two here is blessed, blameless ornamentation. Blameless ornamentation. Blameless ornamentation. Blameless ornamentation. What do you mean, Reverend? Well, I mean that you always want to be Worthy of honor. Worthy of honor. Not just the wife being the crown to her honor of her husband, and that's wonderful. Husband ought to want to be the crown of honor to his wife. Children ought to want to be the crown of honor to their parents. Because as they go, so too goes the way in which they view your parents. You need to make sure that you are living a life of honor, of excellence, of worthiness. And in doing that, you will be able to see how foolishness shames other people. Foolishness brings rottenness to the bone. So that as you walk in honor, you'll see the works of foolishness all around you. But you will recognize because I have walked in honor, God is honoring me. God is honoring my pathway. I, as an excellent wife, I'm honoring my husband. As an excellent husband, I'm honoring my wife. I'm going to get, bring honor. Honor is going to be bestowed upon me. Blessings are going to be bestowed upon me because in everything I do, I'm going to look for a way to be on the high road and not the low road. There's no wonder that the world goes back to Michelle Obama's statement, when they go low, we go high. Because what she says is, there's honor in being above reproach. There's honor in not getting down to the lowest common denominator of the wicked, word, wicked words of men and women. There's honor in holding your head high. There's honor in how I speak to others and who I stick up for. See, because I'm a person of honor, I will not allow you to simply run over other people because I'm a person of honor. I'm not going to let you disrespect them. Because see, my thoughts, my purposes, verse 5, are going to always be what? Honorable. My thoughts towards you are going to be honorable. 
when I speak to you, if you ask me for wisdom, it's going to be for your good and not for mine. Wicked folks will hear your story and try to figure out how to capitalize on it. Wicked folk will be deceitful. They'll set up schemes. Honorable folk will speak wisdom. Their thoughts will be wise. Their actions will be wise. See, wicked folk will say stuff that will slander folk. Verse 6. They'll say stuff that will be malevolent, that will be slanderous. They'll lie in wait to slander even the innocent. And you know some of those people. They talk and say stuff that they don't have information for, don't have the truth for. Uh, you know, when they do it, the Bible says, but the mouth of the upright. Because see, if I'm righteous, I'm going to speak up and say, that's not right. That's not so. I don't believe it. I won't receive that. Don't speak that to me. Take that somewhere else. I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm not going to be into that. Because the mouth of the upright will rescue and protect. The mouth of the upright is going to what? Rescue and protect. I, what does that mean? That means that I'm going to use my voice as a voice in opposition of the slander, in opposition of the wickedness. I'm not going to let you just speak harshly and wickedly. Now, now some people will say, Reverend, some of that is not your business. Well, it wasn't my business until you brought it to me. I didn't want it to be my business. I didn't want to be involved in it. But you happened to bring it to me. And I'm going to tell you now, I don't receive it. Hello? Some of us, we will sit and hear a gossiper. And we will repeat the gossiper. And we will say, but don't say it was from me because I didn't have nothing to do that. that ain't my, I got that from someone else. I just heard, and child, I hope it ain't real. I hope they wrong. And then we, then we, 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 we pull a Gary with the T on Ricky Smiley, and we say, we just going to pray for them, child. We just going to pray for them. Listen, you cannot spend 20, 30 minutes telling somebody else's business to get down to the end to say, we just going to pray for them, child. Really? Really? After you just continue the chain of events of their oppression, we just going to pray for them, child. No, you'd have started praying first and kept your mouth shut, and that wouldn't put legs on your prayers because maybe it would have stopped with you. Maybe you would have heard it, but nobody else had to hear it. He says, look, he says, sooner or later, the wicked are going to get overthrown. Sooner or later, there's going to be no more. I do not want to be overthrown because of wickedness. But because you are doing right, because you are walking with honor, because you are living a life that becomes a blameless ornamentation, you're blameless. Guess what happens? God says your house is going to stand. It's going to be secure. It's going to be blessed. Remember what I said, we can make our own favor. We can generate favor. We generate it by what we do. Guess what? You stand up for someone else, guess what? Somebody else will stand up for you. Someone else will speak up on your behalf. I can't tell you the number of meetings 
that I've, I've met people years down the road who said, you know, so-and-so said something about you, but man, you should have heard what this person over here said. They bought, they, ooh, they, they put them right in their place right away and shut that down. And I said, wow, I didn't even know that happened. Well, the one thing I realized, now, other folks use other words for this. Let me just say, there's a boomerang of blessings. If I'm sending out blessings, blessings are gonna come back to me. If I'm one of the ones that is being honorable, honor's coming back. If I'm the one stopping those, the gossip blind, the, the stopping of gossip, even where I'm concerned, is going to come back. A man or woman will be commended according to their insight and sound judgment. Stop, pause, hold it, wait a minute, put a pin up in it. When you walk in wisdom and in insight and you have sound judgment, people will look at you and they will talk behind your back. Maybe they won't tell it to you, but they'll tell other people, that person there has good judgment. That's a wise person there. That's a wise woman there. But when you do not, guess what happens? People will talk about you as well. Because the text says, the perverse mind, the one that has no wisdom, guess what's gonna happen to them? That person is going to get to the place where what they're gonna do is, they are going to have an issue. Sooner or later, their perverse mind is going to be despised. People are going to look at them and say, hmm, I told you. That, that, don't trust that joker right there. Don't, don't be careful of them. Whatever they say, take it with a grain of salt. Is it, is, did, 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 did he, was he lying today? And then they'll start making jokes about you. Was his lips moving? Because if his lips were moving, he was lying. Because you will be known as a prevaricator of the truth, a liar. And you have to be careful to keep yourself above the stupidity, above the stupidity by living and functioning in honorable ways. Re recognize this. Verse 7 says that the wicked are going to be overthrown by their own evil and they'll stand no more. The Message Bible says, wicked people fall to pieces. There's nothing to them. The homes of good people hold together. Wicked people fall to pieces. Sooner or later, you don't have to worry about it. Their wickedness is going to come crumbling down is going to come crumbling down on the head sooner or later. Sooner or later. Number three. Number three. It's in verse nine. Verse nine only. It says, better is he who is lightly esteemed and has a servant than he who boastfully honors himself pretending to be what he is not and lacks bread. Now that might not come across like you, like you can get it. So let me do this. Number three is this. 
better to be ordinary. Better to be ordinary. Now this one I really like. Better to be ordinary. You know, sometimes when you read scripture, particularly in the these translations, that's right, above the fray, I like that statement. Sometimes you read scripture, you miss what they're saying. So let me break it down another way. It's better for people to think you're broke and you have money than for you to be boasting and acting like you have money when you know you're broke. Come on back. Better for people to think you're broke when you know you have money than to be, than to be one boasting like you got something that you don't have when you know you're broke for real. You know, um, the Message Bible says this way, better to be ordinary and work for a living than to act important and starve in the process. Let me, let, me, let me do this for you real quick. You know, sometimes we look at people and we try to judge their wealth by the way they dress. And you know, uh, they, they got a word out there using now, basic. Oh, she's basic. He's basic. And, and all these young girls, when they're young, want these thug guys. Oh, he's a thug. Baby, cause I'm a thug all day, all night. Baby, cause I'm, I'm living the thug life. When they grow up, they realize that they really didn't want a thug. They wanted a man. Better to be ordinary than to be something you're not. Better to be a good person than to try to be out there impressing folk. Uh, years ago, uh, I was a young pastor. Matter of fact, I don't think I've been here a couple of years and some of the old Shiloh on here, you know what I'm talking about. I, 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 I was a young pastor and I came in, I didn't know, uh, I knew he was a trustee. Genius Holmes, everybody called him Jack. Jack Holmes. Jack was a good man. Jack was here working, and he was working out in the, in the vestibule, and he was fixing the light, and Jack was, was dirty from head to toe. He had been working outdoors. He, like he probably had thrown some hay around. He had stuff in his hair. He was just up there working. And, and you know, you, you wouldn't think much of him. Jack just working. And so when Jack was working, all of a sudden, I, he was working the light, the light came on, and a gleam came off of his ring, and it hit the wall. Whoa, what in the world? I realized Jack was up there working, had diamond ring on his finger. Now Jack wore a lot of rings. Jack, was, he, he liked his stuff. He wore them all the time. It was his stuff, he wore what he wanted to. He wore working in the field, it was his stuff. 
So, so Jack, thank you, Sister Augustine. You're right. They never judge a book by its cover. So Jack, Jack was there. He just bling, pow, everywhere. So I can't remember. Somebody will have to tell me. I know what the old child remember this. I'm out there and I said, whoa, what in the world? I said, man, that diamond about to, about to knock us all out. Jack laughed. He said, hey. So somebody said, Jack, Jack, just, you ought to give Pastor that ring. Just take that ring. I'm good to pass. He said, ah, he don't want this old piece of junk. He can't fit it no way. He don't want this hand. So he laughed. They laughed. I laughed. I thought it was great. I went away. Hey, I don't know what happened. But a few months later, I'm in church, and Jack raises his hand in the middle of service, and he wants to say something. And I'm sitting there like, what in the world? Jack gets up, and Jack says, behind every good man, there's a good woman. Behind every good church, there's a good pastor. And the pastor saw my ring, and he liked it, and I just want to bless him. And Jack pulled out a diamond ring and put it on my, I'm not lying to you. He, he, you look at him. You might think, bro, man, you broke. Jack owned more houses around here. He had about 10 or 20 houses. I'm telling you, there's no kidding. He had cars up the end. He was blessing people, giving away cars, doing stuff. But if you looked at him on the outside, you think Jack broke. Jack, you have to know that some folk who put on a show are just that. I, I call them superficial. I call them imposters, pretenders. Hey, you've got to know it's better to be ordinary and let folk talk about you. you this text, you know what the exact meaning of this text is? This text means that I'm going to go right back to it. It says, better for you to be able to afford to have somebody to work with you. That's what it means to be a servant. Better for you to be lightly esteemed. Folk think you ain't got nothing. But you have enough wealth that you can afford a servant than for you to be boastful and pretending and have nothing. And the text actually used said, and you even lack bread. What I'm telling you now is you want to live a life where what people say about you does not become your guiding force exclusively. You live your life to be happy. Jack working around church, Jack was already retired by then. He's working around church because he wanted to. He was shoveling snow because he wanted to. He was cleaning up and working on church because he wanted to. He wanted to give back for all the blessings God had given him. And let me tell you something. You have to get to the place where you live your life, a life pleasing to God, but also one that you can be happy in so that you're not putting on airs for somebody else, making yourself miserable. And sometimes, you know, you be trying to show up for somebody else and now you're miserable trying to keep up with the Joneses, as we used to say. Don't worry about the Joneses. Let the Jones be Jones and you be happy. Be happy in yourself. 
you know, it, 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 Cat Williams tells a joke, and I can't repeat it because, first of all, I don't know all of Cat's words. And secondly, Cat speaks in ways that I can't. But he does a joke about a woman coming to him talking about he messed up her self-esteem. And uh, Cat said, young lady, how could I mess up your self-esteem? It's called self-esteem. You esteem yourself. Not what anybody else thinks about you. You lift up yourself. Esteem yourself. Feel good about you. Live your life. Enjoy what God has given you. At whatever level God has given it to you. Even while you press into what you may want next. But live your life with joy. Live your life with joy. Amen. Good. Don't be a slave to the opinions of others. Amen. Number four, and I've got to hurry up. Number four, a righteous man, this is verse 10 now, a righteous man has kind regard for the animal life, for the, for the life of his animal, but even the compassion of the wicked is cruel. He who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless, worthless things lacks common sense and good judgment. The wicked desire the plunder of evil men, but the root of the righteous yields richer fruit. An evil man is dangerously ensnared by the transgressions of his mouth, his lips, but the righteous will escape from trouble. A man will be satisfied with the good from the fruit of his words, and the deeds of a man's hands will return him a harvest. I want to call this Number four, beneficent obligation. Beneficent obligation. Beneficent obligation. So, so, so important. so important that I remember this because I need to realize that I continuously must live a beneficent life. A life that, that, that lives in a way in which I remain generous, I remain doing good, I'm obliged to live a life of goodness at all times. I'm obliged to live, it, live that life with and around everyone. I'm obliged to live my life so well that I care for about, about animals, people, places. I care about the earth. See, when you really live a life of character, everything around you matters. So I'm not gonna say you're gonna all of a sudden become some great ecologist or you're gonna run out now and, and become a green earth person, but if, if those of you who have taken Bethel will always recall the fourfold harmony of man. And that fourfold harmony is harmony with God, harmony with nature, harmony with self, and harmony with others. I want to live a life where I'm seeking to live in harmony. Bible even says that I should be at peace with all men. I, I, I need to live that life. That's who I ought to be. 
It's my obligation. And, and he even talks here now, beginning of verse 10, he says, you're so obligated to this that if you're really a righteous man, you'll have kind regard for even your animal. Whatever animal were, you'll, you'll be concerned about the welfare. If it's a donkey, if it's a cow, if it's a sheep, a chicken, if it's your pet, your dog, your cat, your gerbil, I don't care what it is, you will have kind regard for it. I was getting some, my wife and I get his work done at the house and the guy said, well, there's a bird over here. He says, and we're gonna close it up. Usually it'll fly away, but if it doesn't, it'll just die in there and uh, you don't have to worry about it. You won't be there long. I'm like, no, no, you can't do that. I told him I was gonna talk about it. I said, man, you, I'm getting ready to tell people that you can't be cruel to animals and you about to tell me we gonna kill a bird? You can't kill a bird in my house? Don't do that. Yeah, the, the, the reality is that I've gotta be concerned. I gotta be concerned about all living things. Because what, what does it mean, Reverend? It means that if I'm gonna live in harmony, I need to try my best to live harmoniously in this world. And caring is a sign of one's righteousness. By the same token, cruelty is a sign of one's wickedness. A person that will starve a dog, beat a dog, a person that will beat on, uh, shoot animals for sport. Listen, and I'm not talking about hunting for food and all that. That's a whole different thing. I'm just talking about you just want to just, you, you just see some cats and you just want to just shoot them to shoot them or squirrels shoot them. No, there's a way in which you have to be in harmony with nature. Um, you know, even if you take the life of an animal for food, there's a way in which you're not even gonna be cruel with that because you owe the animal a quick death. So you're not gonna shoot the, 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 the cow or the, shoot the pig and let him suffer. You're gonna try and make sure it's done in the most humane possible, whatever that means. Because you want it to be quick. You want it to be over because you're not cruel. Cruel people take delight in the sufferings of others, even if they're animals. You can't do that. You can't do that. Because in your whole life, you're living that kind of life that wants to be generous, good, and kind to everyone and everything around you. I know I gotta hurry. You're gonna live that life in such a way that you're gonna till your land, which means you're gonna work your job like you should, because that's what it means to be righteous. You're gonna show up to work, do what you need to do. You're not just there to, to, to say I'm here, but I ain't working today. Don't nobody say nothing to me. No, instead you're gonna go and give your, your time and you're gonna do the best you can. You're gonna try to function with good judgment. You see, other folks who will not work their land, who will not work their job, they lack common sense, they lack good judgment. Folks that will take advantage of other people, sooner or later, they're going to plunder into evil. You've got to recognize, folks that will, will live a life where they will speak meanly or evil against other people, 
That's not righteousness. Let me, I got to do this real quick. I'm, I'm, I'm almost out of time, so I got to rush. Verse 13 and 14. Speak to what I do with my tongue. He says, if you're going to be righteous, you've got to get your tongue under control. Because evil people, this is not me. The scripture literally says, an evil man is dangerously ensnared by the transgression of his lips. But the righteous will escape from trouble. A man will be satisfied with the good from the fruit of his words, but the deeds of a man's hand will, hands will return to him as a harvest. Real quick, this, this text is all about what I need to speak. If I'm righteous, a part of me claiming righteousness is me using my mouth, conversation, from the very beginning, those three things I laid out, conversation is important. So write down a couple scriptures, James 1 and 26. James says, if any among you seem to be religious, if you seem to be righteous, and you seem to be religious, and you bridle it not your tongue, but deceiveth in his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. If you want to be considered religious, you got to bring your tongue under subjection. Someone wrote earlier in the notes, you got to guard your tongue. If you want to be religious, you want to be, you want to be seen to be righteous, you want to be seen to be a saint of God, a child of God, you've got to bring your tongue under subjection. You, I, know, I know it gets, gets loose. I know it says things you don't want to say. Write down James chapter 3. Oh, if I could read all 18 verses, I would, but I cannot. He says, look, verse, verse 2, he says, he says, for in many things we are all, we often, often all. For in many things we offend all. Offend. If any man offend not in word, then the same is a perfect man and is able to bridle the whole body. So if I can keep this from being offensive, I can get my whole body in this rejection. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Behold, also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Your tongue can get you in trouble. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body and setteth the fire, the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. I can't read it all, but read chapter 3 of James. He said, look, you've got to bring it under subjection. Because when you do, you get the fruit of righteousness, which is sown in peace. Because you become, James says in verse 18, one of those that help make peace. You've got to bring it under subjection. Last thing, last thing, and I'm going to close with this. 
You can read the rest of the chapter later. But number five, number five is benevolent obey, obedience. This word relates to respect. It relates to respect. And, and I need to work out to the best of my ability. I need to work out the kind of life where I'm giving back, where I'm showing respect, I'm being deferential to others, I'm giving respect to others. I'm working with people. I want people to know that I'm not going to be arrogant. Beginning at verse 15. I'm not going to walk in the spirit of arrogance. There's no going to be no arrogance in me because the arrogant people reject God's wisdom. They think that they're right. Verse 15 says, because they think they're right in their own eyes. Let me tell you something. If you are the only one that always think you're right in your own eyes, be careful of yourself. Check yourself, because what you want to do is you never want to be arrogant. You want to listen to good counsel. You don't want to be arrogant in any way, because you'll let your anger get to you. When you become arrogant, you think you know better than everybody else, you smarter than everybody else, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get to the place where you lose your self-control, you'll lose your common sense, you will not do what you ought to do. This begins again, as I said, you can start reading down from verse 15. What he says is that you want to live a life that you are functioning with a certain humility, a certain benevolent way of respect for everyone, without arrogance, living the kind of life that speaks truthfully, so your lips will be truthful, because see, truthful lips will be established forever. That's verse 19. So as I speak truth, my words are going to be established forever. I'm going to be doing the right thing. But the lying tongue, you're going to get credit only for a moment. But truth stands forever. A lie is going to fade. Sooner or later, you're gonna, it's going to catch up with you. Let me tell you something. I'm going to be a person that's going to live a life that is of such a benevolent way that my heart is always going to be right. I'm not going to devise evil, but I'm going to live a kind of life where the counselors will be able to speak to me and peace and joy will be mine. I want to give you, I'm going to the end of this because you've got to get this last piece before I close out. He says, verse 25, anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down but a good encouraging word makes it glad you know when you're not an arrogant person you don't mind giving encouraging words you're gonna you're gonna speak to other people that's gonna be uplifting you're gonna be in such a way that you're gonna carry your life where folk will know that there's something good about you at all times, you're going to be trying to walk in righteousness in every area of your life. Because see, in the way of the righteousness is life. In the way of the righteousness is life. Verse 28. And in the pathway, there is no death, but immortality and eternal life. The more I live in righteousness, the more I'm walking in life. The more I'm living the good life. The more I'm willing to live my life without arrogance, 
in humility, caring for other people, knowing that my life matters, my esteem matters, but I live in my joy. And my joy is complete because I live my life as a disciple of God. And as a child of God and a disciple of righteousness, all I want to do is what's right. I want everybody to win. I want everybody to be blessed. I don't want anybody to be talked about. I don't want you to talk about people in front of me. Why? Because I want to live a life that speaks to righteousness in all areas. Not just in the public square when I'm in front of you, but when I'm at home with my family, when I'm away at the seminary or at the university, when I'm in, in private places, when I'm at the barber shop, if I go into a store, I need to live my life in such a way that you see something in me at all times that speaks to righteousness. In private conversations, I don't want you to say in private what you could not say in public because I want to speak life. I want to speak it to you. I want to be a life giver, not a life taker. Well, God bless you, brothers and sisters. I pray this word has blessed you tonight. We've been talking about this thing. God bless, answers for the struggle, ancient wisdom for modern problems. This has been lesson 12. Take this word, chew on it, and let the Lord bless you. My friends, we're getting ready to get out of here before we close. I want to just invite you. If you don't have a place to worship, a church family, a home, I want to invite you to come on over to Shiloh. You can be an I member or you can be a regular member. If you're ever here in person, come on into the building. But wherever you are in the country, you can join us. There are ways in which you can join us right there. Call us. Email us. We'd love to hear from you because we know the favor of God is upon this ministry and upon you because you've joined us in this study tonight. I love you right now. Also, I want to remind you, brothers and sisters, give. It's Benevolent Giving Night, so give is unto the Lord. There are three ways to give. You can give through Givelify, or you can give through Cash App, or good old-fashioned mail. But give is unto the Lord. And join us as a partner with us as we help others to be what God wants them to be and to be blessed. Amen. Well, I pray you God to bless you tonight. I want to let everybody know I'm still praying for you. Thank you. God bless you, Candy. We, we, we love you. We appreciate you. Again, to all the mothers, we say happy Mother's Day to you. Pray you had a great day. want to close out tonight. Brother Michael Watts, I saw he's online. We're praying for you for your full recovery. We're praying again. Sister Carter, so glad she was. Minister Carter, glad she made make the worship. Praying for her full recovery as God is bringing her back into good health. Please keep Sister Terry's mother in your prayers. You've already mentioned her several times. She is in care now, and uh, she's really needed your prayers. But but in, in general, keep her family in your prayers as they are with her in these final moments as God is calling her apparently from labor to reward. But we know this much, that our God is able, that we those of us who believe in him, we shall see her again. We shall not die but live. And we live eternally with our God. And we pray God gives that entire family just great peace, even as they sit and bless her and be by her side. Amen. And we pray the ministry angels will minister to that family. I love you all with the love of the Lord. You will not change my mind. Nothing you can do about it. 
I'm praying for each one of you. I'll be on the prayer line tomorrow, one o'clock, community prayer. Join us for prayer. God bless you. This has been another one from Shiloh. You know what we do here. We close out with the words of peace. So I want to say it to you one more again. Shalom.